The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room, formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys. Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And, of course, I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. <laughs> Hello again, guys. Here we are. Third and final NFC North preview or NFC North opponent uh, preview. We got one NFC North show left to do. And our good friend Lauren Cox will be with us on Thursday to help preview our beloved Chicago Bears for 2021. But before we get to the Bears, we got to go with our number one rival, the Green Bay Packers. And uh, as we all know, it's been, uh, thanks to Adam Schefter, uh, drama got kicked into high gear on draft night uh, when he went public with the fact that, um, you know, what what Green Bay and, and Aaron Rodgers have been going through all, all, all along during the offseason was about Aaron Aaron Rodgers' uh, disgruntledness and not wanting to return uh, to Green Bay unless some changes were made and so on and so forth. And it's just been pretty much all the NFL landscape has been able to talk about when it's not talking about the draft or, you know, Barkevi Sminko and uh, Richard Sherman and, and all the drama that those uh, fools are getting themselves uh, into uh, these days. It reverts back to... Uh, the Aaron Rodgers uh, drama. Now, because of uh, scheduling and, and, and things like that, uh, Evan and I, I spoke to Evan first uh, uh, in front of uh, Jeremy Reisman and Chris Gates, who we've already heard from uh, for the Vikings and the, the Lions, respectively. So when, when Evan and I talked, it was the day before the opt-out date. So if you were going to opt out for 2021, July Friday, July 2nd was the date. Uh, Evan and I spoke on Thursday the 1st, so, and it just so happens that because, uh, you know, obviously the Packers won first, won the division last year there, the last show we do in the NFC North, so some of the info we were talking about, well, like, you'll hear us refer to the fact that, 
you know, the opt-out date is coming. But, you know, Evan wasn't really concerned about the opt-out date. He turned out to be right about that. The date he's most concerned about is uh, sometime next week when the Packers are supposed to report to camp. Will he show up? Will he be there? Uh, and, and what have you. So that's when Packer fans will start to get a little bit nervous if and when Rodgers doesn't show up for training camp when Green Bay reports uh, sometime next week. So, uh, but otherwise, you know, we, we, we run through the team and, uh, you know, despite his awful allegiances to the absolute wrong football team, uh, Evan Western is one of my favorite guests to have on the show. Uh, and we love talking to him. So, uh, without further ado, let's go ahead into the third and final NFC North opponent preview episode of the bears talk underground. Let's go ahead and get to it. Hang up And in our last stop in our NFC North preview, before we get to our beloved Chicago Bears, of course, we have to talk about the Green Bay Packers. I mean, it just wouldn't be a conversation about the NFC North without Green Bay, unfortunately. And as always, our good friend from Acme Packing Company, Evan Western, is here to help us preview the 2021 Green Bay Packers. Evan, welcome back, man. Thanks a lot. Always a pleasure, Larry. It's uh, it's always great to be here talking to you. So I heard a rumor um, <laughs> There's something going on with with Aaron. Is is it Rod Rodgers Rod Roger Rodgers something like that? He was like you know I heard he was like most valuable player last year. Yeah, kind of thing. you heard of this guy? Yeah, yeah, he's okay. He's pretty good. He's pretty oh. good quarterback from what I heard. Yeah, is there something going on with him? I mean, I haven't heard a word about anything. I mean, the sports world is mum about the whole thing. Yeah, this is uh, this has been quite the the ordeal for for Packers fans. Sure. Um, it, it brings back shades of, of 2008 with the, the Favre craziness that year with yeah. the retirement and will he won't he and coming back and getting traded and all that fun stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, that was not an experience that any of us were eager to repeat in in any way, shape or form. And kind of feels like here we are, you know, 13, 14 years later, kind of feeling like history is repeating itself a little bit. So what I really want to know about the whole thing is not, not so much about, you know, what have you heard about Rodgers and blah, blah, blah. It's like, how's the fan base dealing with this? I know you mentioned, yeah. you know, it's kind of, you know, echoes of, of what happened before with Favre before he left and and all that kind of stuff. But, but I mean, is, is it – is there, you know, people that are, you know, venomous towards Rodgers, like how dare you or, you know, or anything like that? Or some people still drinking the Kool-Aid and hoping he comes back or some people on the fence. I mean, is it all the above? What's going on with the fan base right now? Yeah, it's it's very individual. It, it depends on who you talk to. You've got the people who are are just ready to, to kick him out of the nest and, and say, you know, get the hell out of here. Um, calling him, you know, a, a whiny, selfish, entitled uh, <laughs> guy. You've got other people who are kind of saying, you know, I, I see where he's coming from, uh, taking a little more middle ground approach, saying that, yeah, you know, maybe maybe a team should, you know, give a little more credence to the thoughts of a, a guy who's won three MVP awards when it comes to, you know, some of the, the personnel moves on the margins. And then you've got, you know, others who, you know, they, they are – full-blown kind of Roger supporters in this and and think that you know Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy have really mismanaged the whole situation and and understand where he's coming from and in my my view I mean personally I kind of fall somewhere in the middle um Mm -hmm. I usually try to try to look at both sides and and I can understand some of what what Rogers is saying about some of the 
the cultural things with this organization, um, some of the communication things that have, have happened. Um, I, I really think, to, to me, the biggest problem that, that spurred, spurred all this on wasn't the drafting itself of Jordan Love last year, but I think it was the fact that there was no communication between the front office and Rodgers yeah. um, about that pick being either a possibility or, you know, being something something that was that was, you know, with, within the realm of possibility that 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 might be a direction that they might go if if the chips fall in the right that way. And so that lack of communication, I this is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. I can completely understand where, you know, why he would be very frustrated by that. And um, I, I, I certainly would understand why that would motivate you to go out there and, and, have the season he did last year with a chip on his shoulder. Cause we all know he, he plays better under those type of circumstances when he's pissed off, but then to, to come out and after playing that way, basically proving that, yeah, you're still the best quarterback in the NFL. And, and then to have some, to, to, to take the position that he kind of has and seemingly with the team wanting to bring him back and wanting to, you know, to give him some semblance of, of long-term security as the starter, then to have turn around and, and, you know, seem like you, you don't want to come back or you don't, um, you don't appreciate that. I, I, that's where I, I struggle a little bit. You've proved yourself invaluable and, and irreplaceable basically. Right. Mm-hmm. So, you know, why, why after you do that, do you think that, you know, that this is the right time to, to, to go this route? And, you know, we'll, we'll see what shakes out. I'm, you know, I, I think there's still a chance that there's, you know, that there could be a reconciliation here. Um, I think the, the front office and Gutekunst in particular has, has taken some, um, made some public comments acknowledging that they didn't handle certain things very well, especially on the communication piece. So I think that, that probably helps a little bit, but I just wonder if maybe the, the Mark Murphy Rogers relationship is kind of where everything kind of stems from. And if that's the case, you know, you're pitting the the quarterback uh, against the, you know, the de facto owner, um, team president. And 
you know, generally that doesn't usually end well for the player, no matter what happens, you know, no matter how good he is. So we'll see. That's, that's just kind of my take on everything. Um, I hope he comes back and, and, um, I certainly would, would rather him be under center than Jordan Love this year, uh, to, to be sure. So, you know, we'll, we'll just have to see what happens because this team, I think, is still set up really well for another Super Bowl run if he comes back. And I don't think he's going to have anywhere near as good a chance um, to, to make a run at a ring anywhere else but Green Bay. So is his the beef with Murphy or Gutekunst? I've heard it was Gutekunst. So where do, where does so, Murphy kind of fall into this? Yeah, we there there were some reports um, coming out of the draft after the news all broke that that he wanted Gutekunst fired, and that was kind of his his red line for coming back. Um, he's kind of said that that's not the case, or or at least the his proxies have said that that's not you know that's not what what he's ticked off about. I can again, I can understand him being frustrated with Gutekunst because of those communication issues, but um I do think that um you know Murphy kind of set up a new power structure a couple of years ago when they hired Matt LaFleur and and kind of rearranged everything where the coach and the GM report to him and and really instead of having a um a pathway of the coach reporting to the GM reporting up to to the owner. So um I, I just wonder if if there's some, you know, everything kind of starts at the top, especially when you're talking about the culture of an organization and the culture of a front office. And so I I, I do just wonder because Rogers, the few commit uh, few comments he has made publicly, um, kind of talked about that culture and the people being at the core of of the issues he's having. So ultimately, to me, that tells me it all starts at the very top of the organization with Murphy. Hmm. Interesting. So just just trying to read the tea leaves here, but you know, he, Rogers has been real, you know, real coy and, and real careful in in his words not to really give away anything about what his position is or even really what he wants um, to see change to to convince him to come back. So that's all we're really left with is is trying to interpret the few things he has said, and that's just kind of where I I land on things. Any uh, Shailene Woodley haters? out there like you know <laughs> he's got this new woman in his life and all of a sudden he's making a sharp left and wants out of town yeah uh, kind of those thing are, those are out there too um especially with the fact that they you know their relationship seemed to have um you know taken a, a real uh a real quick progression so mm-hmm. um it, it, it's any he, he's had the same the same thing happened with his his past uh girlfriends with Olivia Munn and with uh, Danica Patrick. I mean, you had the same kind of thing um, with both of those. Everybody kind of um, ragging on them for, for various different things. So, um, but yeah, there, there are those select few people who are complaining about that, but uh, try not to, to give them more than a couple of brain cells worth of thought and just move on. Yeah. You know, it, it, it always becomes a, a, you know, a factor if, if the, if those two things kind of coincide, then, you right. got to blame the woman. That's that's the new, uh, the new, uh, you know, the turd in the punch bowl, if you will. That uh, yeah. you know, she comes along, and all of a sudden, there's trouble in paradise, and Rogers wants out of town. But even before yeah. anybody knew uh, about the two of them seeing each other or them being in any kind of relationship, that that weird press conference that that Rogers gave after the NFC yep. championship game about how you know even his status is uncertain going into the off season and even though he's under contract for like three or four years or whatever it is, everyone's like, what the hell is he talking about? He's yeah. under contract to like 2025. Why is he talking about how his status might be uncertain 
along with everybody else's. Like, you're Aaron Rodgers, dude. You're not going anywhere. Yeah, especially after coming off an MVP season the way he did. And, yeah, it just – I didn't really understand what uh, what where he was coming from there either. So – but clearly he's he's concerned about something and you know i i just he plays the the media game as well as everybody just really only you know only saying a couple things here and there i guess we'll see if he says anything uh in interviews around that big golf match that he's got with tom brady and those uh, <laughs> and those guys in a week or two but uh, i don't know i'm not counting on I'm not expecting to hear anything. I mean, the big the big date is going to be July 27th when everybody reports to camp. So we'll see if he shows up or not. And, you know, personally, I don't think we'll really know anything until then. Yeah, and actually we're recording this on, on July the 1st. And uh, the first hurdle to clear before we get to the 27th is actually tomorrow because I've read a few things that says, you know, Rodgers has the chance to opt out uh, of 2021 you know, kind of like players did last year for COVID in 2020 and yep. uh, and things like that. That's an opportunity he has, and he would have leverage because he wouldn't have to give back any of the money. It's kind of a no-questions-asked type situation. If he continues to hold out, the team can fine him for not coming into camp and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, sometime tomorrow afternoon is is the cutoff time for the, for the opt-out. So by the time this finally does uh, you know, drop and everyone gets to hear it, that that decision is going to be made. And, and I don't think he's going to opt out. You don't think he's going to nope. opt out, but it's, it's a possibility. Uh, and I'm sure it's got some people kind of shook about he might actually just sit out and not play for anybody in 2021 instead of trying to force a trade uh, to go elsewhere. He might just sit at home and, uh, and watch uh, this year. I mean, that is, a, that is a possibility, not a strong one, but it's out there. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy idea, and you know I imagine it'll be you know it's one of those deadline spurring action kind of thing. So who knows what conversations he's had with the team if it's something that he's considering or not. And yeah, we'll uh, we'll find out. And like you said, we'll, by the time this goes live, we'll we'll know. But I I I would be very surprised if if he goes that route though. Yeah, I, I um I think I, honestly I think I would lose a little bit of respect for him if he did to just uh, you know yeah. take his ball and go home. Uh, like that. So, um, you know, as a football fan, I don't want him to sit out. Uh, as a Bears fan, you know, <laughs> tell you the truth, I mean, it's 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 a six in one and half a dozen in the other uh, kind of thing. You know, it won't feel real if we don't beat Rodgers. You know, it's like beating the Packers is one thing. Beating him with Rodgers, beating them with Rodgers is something else uh, entirely. You know, it, it says yep. a lot more about the team if we beat the Packers with Aaron Rodgers instead of taking advantage of a Rodgerless Packer team, you know, right. because he, he not only is he one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best in the league right now, he's, he carries a lot of weight with him. Like his absence is felt throughout the entire team. It's like you almost see the team lose a step when he's not uh, when he's not out there. So it's like as much as, uh, you know, Rodgers not being there would kind of level the playing field in a division. It would be anybody's division to take this year if he does sit out, you know, Personally, I, I would prefer that he is there because beating him would be would say a lot more than beating the team without him. Definitely. Yeah. And, you know, we, we still don't really know what we have in Jordan Love. We didn't get to see him play in any preseason games last year. Right. Plus training camp was all completely locked down. So there was no, you know, no real ability to, to judge him from training camp. Um, so really the first time anybody got a look at him uh, – 
in a Packers uniform was during OTAs and minicamp this spring. Right. And I mean, predictably, he he was was inconsistent. He had he did have a couple of really nice days. There was one day in particular in minicamp that it sounded like he was he was just hitting everything, and it was all over the field. It was short. It was long. It was in, you know to the sideline. It was in the middle of the field. But then that came after a day that you know he completed probably less than half of his passes. You know, basically doing seven on seven drills, and um, so I mean, he's a young quarterback, and he's going to go through growing pains. But you know, it's really tough to tough to have any idea how he's going to respond uh, on the field. Um, and I think, regardless of whether or not Rodgers comes back, certainly those preseason reps for Love are going to be really important this year because it'll be the you know his first chance to to actually show what he can do in a Packers uniform. Yeah, so we 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 you know last year they 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 start out four and zero, they they run into uh, Tampa Bay and you know Tampa Bay kind of cracked the code on on how to beat the Packers or how to you know pressure uh, Rodgers for that first loss uh, of the season and then after that you went like you know eleven and two after that just went yeah. through the rest of it won like six or seven in a row. Uh, at the end of the season, including beating the Bears twice. Thanks so much uh, for that, mm-hmm. by the way. Um, you know, you get past the divisional round with a, a nice win over the Rams. I, I didn't think it would be that easy to to beat the Rams, especially with the defense they had last year. But then Brady comes into town, and uh, that NFC Championship game, that was really something. You know, and, yeah. and, and it, it all turned on that uh, that last touchdown right before halftime. That's where it really always kind of seemed to fall apart for Green Bay. I mean, the, the game was far from over, but that was definitely one of the deciding uh, moments in the game. Yeah, I mean, that, that whole sequence from um, an interception that Rodgers throws over the middle of the field when um, Sean Murphy Bunting is has a, a full handful of jersey um, and and yeah, very clearly, right. by, you know, any Packers fans uh, to, to any Packers fans, I should have gotten called for holding or pass interference. Instead, they they keep their flags in their pocket, and he gets an interception. Then two plays later, uh, Will Redmond drops a easy pick that falls into his hands up along the sideline um, that would have given the Packers the the ball back. Um, you know, down four, basically going to halftime. And then two plays later, they hit the the big one over Kevin King to Scotty Miller, and and it, you know, it just all unravels from there. So, yeah, it was absolutely a um, a good competitive game early, um, and and the Bucks did a lot of what they did in that uh, that regular season matchup. They got pressure on Rodgers with four. Um, one of the big biggest challenges was that. I mean, the Packers had no David Bakhtiari in that game, in, right. in the playoff game. So that was that was a killer against the the Bucks' really good edge rushers. Um, but they were finding ways to to work around that and at least get a little bit of um, you know production out of the offense. Um, but yeah, that that play you know late in the first half, and then you know the first basically the first or second play of the second half coming out and and fumbling and. The, the Bucks taking it straight in for a, a touchdown. I mean, that was when, you know, it, it really felt like it was it was over. And it, it was encouraging at least to see the team fight back and and give themselves a chance to um to to get back in it because, you know, that they obviously had the the field goal call yeah. um, from the, you know, fourth and goal at the eight yard line or whatever it is. Um and that's one that's you know that will go down in in Matt Lafleur's uh, 
judgment column, you know, one way or the other. Everybody's kind of got their opinions on on what they think um, about that because because no matter what, you've got to get the stop right. Yeah. If you if you go for it and get the touchdown and then get the two point conversion, you got to get the stop. You don't get the two point conversion, you got to get the stop. Like no matter what, you got to get a stop somehow. So um, I, I I understand why he he kicked the field goal. I still don't necessarily think it was the right call. Right. Um, and obviously Rogers didn't think it was the right call. Um, if anybody watched Jeopardy, the, uh, the yeah, yeah. trolling him about that was, that was pretty, uh, even I got to acknowledge that that was pretty funny. Yeah. But, um, it's a pretty yeah, genius just, move by the contestant. Yeah, that was pretty great. But, um, yeah, it's, it's so painful now again to that's, that's four, four out of the last seven, seven or eight years that the Packers have been to the NFC championship game. The first time they've hosted one right. since 2007, um, and yeah, four in a row that they've they've dropped, and and all pretty except for that Seattle game, all of them, you know, they got down in a pretty big hole early and and didn't really, you know, didn't really come back until you know this this last game against Tampa. Um, so the fact that they showed some fight and were able to, to claw back into that game was was good to see. But you still got to get the job done, and um, they just spotted Tampa with with too much. But I think based on what we saw in the Super Bowl, I think if the Packers make the Super Bowl, you know, if they get by Tampa, they're they probably beat the Chiefs the way that 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 game went. Um, but you know, what are you going to do? <laughs> There's always <laughs> next year, man. There's yeah. always next year. So you know, I mean, it, it was. I, I was intrigued by the by the way that it all went down. You know, you you have Aaron Rodgers and you don't. And you take the ball out of his hands. I think that was the yep. the most surprising uh, situation, or or the most surprising thing about going for the field goal instead of going for it on fourth and eight. Yeah, it's a risk, and but it's the NFC Championship game, and yeah. you have the guy that you want to have the ball in his hands pretty much more than anybody else uh, in the league. I mean, the only other guy you could probably want there instead of him was the guy on the other sideline. You know, right. he's. You know he's as he's as clutch as they come. He's as accurate as 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 all get out. And you're going to take the ball out of his hand and kick a field goal and put your defense uh, on the field. The defense that was kind of you know struggling throughout the day. You're going to put the ball in their hands instead of who was literally the best player in the league uh, that year. I think that's where it all kind of fell apart and where you know um, Lafleur didn't have much of a leg to stand on in the press. Like you know facing the firing squad of the press after the game it's it's kind of hard to to justify that move i mean you can you can reason it all you want but the the outcome is you took the ball out of rogers hands and you lost the game so you know it's it's tough all i can all i can think of is that he was influenced by seeing the offense bogged down inside the uh the red zone Mm. a couple times earlier in that game um, they had one sequence, I think, from the six-yard line in the first half when Rodgers tried to throw three straight passes to Adams, and all three of them went incomplete, and they had to kick a field goal. Yeah. Um, and then that same, you know, that that drive, they again, there's first and goal from the eight. Um, yeah, an incomplete pass to Lazard, and then two two incompletes to Adams again. And so I, I do wonder if. Um, you know, maybe Lafleur saw something where he felt like Rodgers was forcing something. Because um, yeah, I mean, you got five out of those six uh, pass attempts to to Adams, um, all of them going incomplete. You know, maybe that 
influenced his his thought process that and he did even say that you know if they had picked up four you know four or five yards gotten inside like the five yard line he would have left his offense on the field but uh just sticking out at the eight yard line was was part of the thought process so i don't know you know we can we can and have second guessed that (laughs) that whole (laughs) sequence uh yeah you know all off season right um i mean that's the thing you know it's gonna it's gonna be brutal right if if rogers packers career does end without him getting the football to give the packers a chance to to tie the game yeah um I don't know if it if that's better, worse, or the same as you know Favre's last pass as as a Packer right. getting picked off in overtime against the Giants. Um, the but if that's how it ends, that's gonna that's gonna hurt a lot too. Yeah, I mean, but that's the thing about getting that going that deep into the playoffs and then essentially getting that close when it doesn't go in your favor, you're gonna second guess yourself until you're until they put you in the ground. You know, exactly. it's just that that's one of those things. And especially if things don't work out and Rodgers does go elsewhere or he does sit out or or whatever it's it's going to be, it's there's going to be that what if and, you know, and all that kind of stuff for for all time. Yeah. Um, you know, if if uh, if things go sideways here or stay sideways, I guess you could say. Yeah. But, um, you know, so, you know, it's it, the, the championship game doesn't work out and somehow. You know, I always said, you know, let Brady come to the NFC. He won't be able to do it year in and year out in the <laughs> NFC. Year yeah. one, he wins the NFC, goes Super Bowl, wins it again. I'm like, oh, well, that's the end of that conversation because, yep. you know, I've been saying it, you know, the, the parody-less AFC, it's it's him and, the, him and the Steelers and the Broncos and the Colts every year. Um, you know, it's basically them and against the field and – uh Come over to the AFC where in, in 20 seasons they've sent 13 or 14 different teams to the Super Bowl and see if you can pull it off. I'm like, okay, year one, I'll go with Tampa Bay of all teams, and I'll go back and I'll win the whole thing. I'm like, okay, well, there goes my argument that you're not the greatest of all time anymore. You are. So I just I can't argue against, and I'll never even try. You know, Never mind the, you know, the amount of rings that he has or anything like that. It's just... You know, he went ahead. He's done it on both sides. So I'm done. I'm done. Uh, you know, anyway. Um, so looking forward to 2021 now. Um, there, you know, kind of looking at this through two different lenses. There's with Rogers and without. But, you know, before we get to that, the, you know, uh, it looks like a typical Packer free, free agent signing, you know, uh, period. Uh, for you guys there, I found two names on the list, uh, and, and I don't think either one, well, I know for, for a fact one of them is not a starter, but uh, Devondre Campbell from the Cardinals, a linebacker, and then Blake Bortles, the quarterback <laughs> from the Rams, is, is the, what the I found. Yeah. yeah, to to be, though, that's, that's your free agent haul for 2021. So it seems like, I mean, is that thanks to the to the COVID salary cap, or is Gutekunst taking a page out of... Uh, out of the old book from you know from Ron Wolf and those guys. Well, yeah, the the salary cap crunch is a huge part of it, and if you talk to Gutekunst and and anybody in the organization, you know they'll they'll talk about retaining Aaron Jones being you know their their big free agent uh, play this year mm-hmm. because he did get a a nice new contract, nice four year deal. Um, they structured it such that uh, his cap hits this year and next year are really low. Um, in the two years when when we're expecting that 
you know, the cap to stay low because of the, the COVID crunch. Um, so him sticking around was, was, was a, a great thing. I mean, he's been a, a huge part of this offense the last four years, especially the last two with, with Matt LaFleur really leaning on him as the number one guy. Um, I think a lot of Packers fans assumed that he was gone um, by the drafting of AJ Dillon in the first or in the second round last year. Um, and just the, the financial situation that green Bay had. Um, but yeah, for them to, it, it was nice for them to, to find a way to bring him back. They were able to get Kevin King back, which depending on which Packers fan you talk to is <laughs> either, you know, losing him might've been addition by subtraction, sure. but, um, you know, he's still, a um, at least capable of, of good play. Um, whether or not he can put it together is a different story, but, um, you know, so you've got those two additions, but yeah, Campbell is the the one name to note as far as outside additions. Um, I, I do think he'll be probably in the starting lineup at one of those those two inside linebacker spots okay. from day one. Um, probably alongside one of the the rookies from last year, either Kamal Martin, the fifth round pick, or, or Chris Barnes, the the undrafted guy. But um, and I think that kind of goes along with the the letting go of Mike Pettin and the acquisition of Joe Barry as the new defensive coordinator too. Yeah. He really puts a um, his his schemes or, or the defenses that he's worked for have done a good job with getting good linebacker play um, out of not necessarily awesome talent uh, at the linebacker position. So we'll see where where that goes. But Campbell's a I mean he's a big, long, fast guy, um, toolsy guy, um, and they seem to like him uh, in coverage, even though his coverage numbers aren't very good throughout his career. So we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens there, but. Yeah, it, it, in general, it was your typical Packers offseason. Keep a couple of your guys, see a couple of them walk, um, try to you know plug the holes that that open up with the draft, and kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah, because that that was the thing. It's like I've got two names on as far as like coming in, and then I've got nine going out: uh, yep. Corey Lindsley, Christian Kirksey, Lane Taylor, uh, Jamal Williams stayed in division with the. Lions, that should be interesting, but it's, you know, then you got Montrevious, uh, Adam, Perry Nickerson, Tim Boyle, Raven Green, you know, but it's like Lane Taylor, Christian Kirksey, Corey Lindsay, uh, Lindsley, excuse me, and then Jamal Williams. Those are, those are subtractions, you know, those are guys that saw playing time and, you know, were starters for you guys last year. Yeah, I mean, Lindsley was the all-pro center on, yeah. on the all-pro all team last year. So losing him was was absolutely a, a huge blow. But there was no chance that the Packers were ever going to be able to keep both him and Jones uh, for this year. And fundamentally, Lindsley just priced himself out. Um, he played so well last year and, and really the last couple of years um, that, that there was just really no way that the Packers were going to be able to afford to keep him around. And the other thing with the Packers is with, when it comes to offensive linemen, they always tend to let the guys walk just a little bit on the early side. Um, they did it with Brian Balaga last year. He went to the chargers too. Um, then again, Balaga was hurt most of last year again. Right. Um, so that one, you can argue they made the right call on, uh, Lindsley is, I think just turned 30. So, um, Packers generally don't, like to give big long-term contracts to to offensive linemen after their 30th birthday. And so, um, you know, I, I wish him well. He, he's been a great player for this team, and, um, you know, he's been a great guy in the locker room. Um, so we'll see. Uh, we'll see what happens when they they move on, and it's it'll be interesting to see what the the battle looks like across the offensive line, filling in for him. 
um, especially because it looks like there's a, a rookie probably going to be getting that job from from day one. Yeah. Speaking of which, you know, we can go into the go into the draft, uh, the Packers, because of their 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 finish. Uh, you know, we're picking 29th, so in the bottom half or the bottom quarter uh, of the of the first round, number 29 overall, they take Stokes. Eric Stokes, a corner out of uh, Georgia, and then the second round, the rookie you were talking about, Josh Myers, the center from Ohio State, who used to snap the ball to my new quarterback. And yeah. uh, I don't know if you saw the clip. Um, I believe it was his quarterback coach that asked him uh, who his center was in college, and he's like, Josh Myers. He's like, yeah, did he get drafted? He's like, yeah, by the wrong team. And he's like, which team is that? He's like, the Packers. It's like, so that endeared him to a lot of Bear fans, although I'm sure he didn't know he was being listened to. I don't know if he was Mike or if the coach was, but but either way, that clip got out there and the Bear fans were like, yep, he gets it. So we love him. And, you know, but it's like Josh Myers, second round pick, you know, Ohio State. You say he's a strong candidate to probably take over the spot. Yeah, it uh throughout all of OTAs and minicamp, he was he was playing center with the first team offensive line. So it, it certainly seems like they like him enough to to give him every opportunity to win the starting center job from day one. Which is really interesting because they have the Packers have a lot of interior linemen with a lot of versatility. And so I, I I'm a little surprised that we haven't seen a little more of like Lucas Patrick or even Elton Jenkins. Um playing a little bit more center with that first team line to try to get these guys some reps. But um, I'm hoping that that's just a case of, you know, Myers looks so good right out of the gate that it looks like he's ready to, to just grab that center job and run with it and keep some of these other guys that they're the positions that they're already familiar with. And I mean, Jenkins was, you know, an all pro caliber guard last year. Um, he's got the ability to move out and play a little tackle, which the Packers might need depending on Bakhtiari's injury if he's back for week one. But um, yeah, really that offensive line um, up and down is going to be a really fascinating group to watch in training camp because they've got a ton of guys. Um, you, you know you've got a couple of guys penciled in as starters, but you've probably got two jobs open for the, the for day one. Um, again, with Bakhtiari probably missing a couple of games to start with the ACL. So you figure you got maybe two starting jobs open to, to win in training camp. And they've got like 10 or 12 guys for, for maybe eight or nine spots. And, and it's just going to be really interesting to see what happens with the depth as well. Because in addition to Myers, they draft another two offensive linemen in the, in the third day of the draft. Um, fourth rounder, Royce Newman out of Mississippi, who they yeah. seem to already like at, at right tackle and, and a little bit of guard. And then the Wisconsin guy, Cole Van Lannen, from you know, literally just up the road from Lambeau, at, at, uh, um, just outside of Green Bay. So... Uh, it'll be very interesting to see which of those guys get a job. John Runyon from last year, they really like, and he might be a candidate to start on the inside as well at guard. So that's, that's probably aside from, you know, the quarterback drama on the field. I think the offensive line is one of the more interesting position groups to watch in training camp this year. This episode of the bears talk underground is brought to you by the Spotify green room. Formerly known as the Locker Room app, guys, Spotify Green Room is a live audio-only sports talk platform, free to download and use. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. It's perfect for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, and reacting to breaking news. Share your own experiences on the app. Start or join ongoing conversations. Watch games together. React to the biggest news, rumors, and games. And of course. 
I host a weekly show every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. on the Spotify Green Room. The Bears Talk Underground presents Club 34-7. Be sure and join me. Come through and talk with me live. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS or Android app store. Create a profile, link to your Twitter, and join into the group. Follow me to be notified when my room goes live. And, of course, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, is when Club 34-7 uh, hits the air. So be sure to join in on the fun, guys. You don't want to miss it. And be sure to follow me on the uh, on the app so that you'll know anytime that I go live because uh, we'll be doing watch parties during the preseason. We'll be doing uh, knee-jerk reactions during halftime uh, during the season and things like that. Lots to do. This app opens up so many possibilities for interaction between me and you, my loyal audience. So be sure and download the Spotify Green Room app wherever you get your apps. Yeah, it's uh, the offensive line. It's, it's been a, 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 a great strength for the Packers. Um, they just seem to be able to, to plug guys in, and uh, you know they seem to, you know, whoever's doing the scouting or, God forbid, the coaching, uh, has done an outstanding job with those guys because Bakhtiari was not a first round pick. I think he was a a fourth or a fifth round yep. yeah, uh, pick. You know, I mean, the Packers have taken some swings on some first round guys, but they seem to have more success with the later round uh, guys and 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 things like that. It's just uh, you know, the fi- a guy finds his niche in, in in the league, and you know, the circumstances and where you go do actually have a big factor in how your career. Uh, turns out, I mean, you you may have gone to you know Butthole University or whatever, but you, you just happen to land in the right spot with the with the Packers or with this place is going to give you an opportunity. And and what they do works to your strengths. And the next thing you know, you're you're making Pro Bowls and you're a millionaire, uh, kind of thing. So uh, you know, Bakhtiari goes from fourth round pick to the highest paid tackle uh, in football, making you know making making what quarterbacks made a few years ago before yep. their salaries got crazy. Uh, and things like that. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's interesting watching the you know what the Packers will do, and I'm, you know, and I'm sure that with the track record that they've had, you Packer fans aren't too worried about how it's going to turn out because it seems like whoever you do put out there plays well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, the the hope obviously is that Bacteria comes back early, but um, there's certainly enough talent on that line to to hold down the fort until he gets back. And, and you mentioned the coaching, I think, um, Adam Stenovich, the O-line coach and, uh, Luke Butkus. Yes. That, that Butkus, Butkus. Yeah. Um, as the assistant O-line coach have really done a great job in the last two years of, of getting these guys ready and moving guys around a ton too. That's been one of the biggest challenges is, is they have had a few injuries here and there, um, these last two seasons and have moved guys around. Billy Turner's played four different positions, I think. Um, Jenkins played three or four different positions last year. And I think the only reason Jenkins didn't make an all-pro team is because he got votes at, at both center and at guard or something ridiculous like that. So, hmm. um, yeah, there's there's lots of talent there. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of a – they always preach the, the motto of putting the best five out there. It'll just be really interesting to see what that best five is in week one. Uh, before we move on uh, from the draft, talk to me about the first round uh, pick. I mean, there was a, a big, you know, how do you do made last year about, you know, not only because the the Packers took um, Jordan Love, you know, they traded up to get him the whole nine yards. It was one of the bigger, you know, uh, or deeper wide receiver classes last year. This year seemed to be like it was better 
than last year's, and still they go with a corner instead of – there were actually some pretty good receivers still left on the board when the Packers were picking uh, at 29, and still you know they don't go for another first-round receiver. I, I think somebody mentioned you know how long it's been since the Packers took a receiver on day one or, or whatever, and you know they go with the corner instead of the – the wide receivers, like what was the thinking there? Because I don't think corner is a is a concern for you guys, is it? Yeah, there's there is long term depth concern at corner for okay. sure. Um, Jair Alexander obviously is is tremendous, but yeah. you know I mentioned Kevin King coming back. I mean he's only back on a one year deal, and I think Stokes gives the the Packers a a real bona fide candidate to be you know a bookend corner opposite Alexander. Um, especially if you know he's got a little bit of a, a one-year window to to learn and kind of come into the starting lineup, uh, transition in with King still there. So that was definitely a position that um, Packers fans had had our eyes on. Um, as far as the receiver class, I, I think a little bit of the same thing happened this year that happened last year in that the guys that the Packers really liked as round one guys got taken shortly before the Packers were on the clock. Um, and, and specifically I'm referring to Minnesota, referring to Minnesota's Rashad Bateman, who went to Baltimore at 27. Um, I think he was the guy that if he was there at 29, I think the Packers take him and are ecstatic about it. And I don't know that I necessarily think it changes anything in regards to Rogers, but, um, I think Bateman is, is absolutely that, um, that type of guy who can, who can be an all around receiver, um, you know, be a be a, a wide receiver two or three as a rookie, and then you know even develop into a you know a one A or a one B to to Devontae Adams one A uh, down the road. But um, yeah, with him going off the board a couple picks earlier, I think it was probably again a case of they weren't really crazy about the the value at the other receivers at twenty nine, and it sounds like they were really high on Stokes too. Um, He's a he's a real fast player, and I think he's also pretty new to the position at corner. And the Packers have always had success with with guys who are kind of recent converts to the corner position, um, kind of taking their their raw talents and, and molding it a little bit. Um, I think back to Sam Shields, you know the early, the you know around 2010 for for an example of that. So um, they did finally get a receiver in the third round, which yeah. is the first time in. God knows how long since they've even taken one in, in the first three rounds, I think since like 2015. Um, so it, it's just it, the Amari Rogers pick surprised all of us because the Packers have been so focused seemingly on the big body outside receivers. Um, Alan Lazard is that way. Uh, Marcus Valdez Scantling is the, the big, tall, lean, fast guy. Um, and, and so they've, they've focused so heavily on these big guys then to have a five, nine, receiver who who projects as a slot guy um was was kind of a shock so i I think it'd be really interesting to see how they work him in um he's got some special teams ability i think you'll see him on some jet sweeps um but he's he's also he might be short but he's not small he's i think i think he's five nine and like two 212 pounds or something like that so he's built like a running back Mm -hmm. and he's got a little bit of that running back ability to to break some tackles so i think it'll be interesting to see how um you know how they work uh, that type of player into the offense for Matt Lafleur, considering he hasn't had that more prototypical slot receiver type um, on this Packers offense in the last couple of years. So we move on to the um, to the schedule, uh, and because it's Green Bay, that's littered with the uh, national TV uh, appearances. And um, yep. when I was looking at it yesterday, seeing a lot of three o'clock starts. 
four o'clock, you know, for, for you in the East Coast uh, or the Eastern time zone anyway, a lot of four o'clock starts and uh, things like that. I think going to Chicago like week six is like a rare exception that you're playing at noon as opposed yep. to pretty much every other thing is the national game of the week on Fox, whoever they just happen uh, to be playing. But you start on the road uh, at New Orleans and then uh, home for Monday night football with the uh, with the Lions, then Sunday night football after that on the road at San Francisco, home for Pittsburgh at Cincinnati in the first uh, five weeks. So it's it's an interesting you know um, start to the season because um, having already spoken to everyone in the AFC North, the opinion of the Steelers right now is not high, except for obviously the Steeler fan and. The 49ers may or may not be the team that they were in 2019 now that they're healthy and back again and, you know, all that kind of stuff. The whole Trey Lance, uh, Jimmy Garoppolo drama, I'm interested to see how that's going to be playing out or if it has already played out by week three when they see you guys. The Lions with Jared Goff and, you know, this new attitude that Dan Campbell at head coach brings in. (laughs) Drew Brees not with the Saints anymore, you know, and, uh, you know, obviously the Bengals are the Bengals. So in that five weeks, you're either going to steamroll through it, you know, just looking at what each team doesn't have compared to what they probably did uh, a year ago, or, you know, the, you know, maybe the 49ers give you guys a game. Maybe the Steelers are still the Steelers and whatnot. It's an interesting opening section to the schedule. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, only having one divisional game in those first five is, is also kind of, kind of interesting too. Um, but, you know, the Packers have not had great success in New Orleans up until that big win last year in week three. Yeah. So regardless of, again, who's who's quarterbacking there, that's going to be a, a tough game. Um, but, yeah, it's it's that that's going to be an early uh, getting off to an early start, I think, is going to be important because there's a section kind of leading into the bye week where you've got some really tough, tough competition. Um you know, in, in the middle part of the schedule, I think. Yeah. And I think you, I think the Packers really need to jump out to a good start. Um, four and one in that first five, I think, is what they they would like to to get to, um, based on those matchups before um, before they run into that that first game against Chicago in Week Six. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a tough schedule either way because obviously your schedule is pretty much the same as ours as far as who you're playing. Uh, and things like that. It's like all but like two or three teams are our our schedules are identical. You've got the AFC North and the NFC West, same as we do. And the NFC West sent two teams to the playoffs last year. Arizona could have been a third, and the team that finished in fourth place was the defending NFC champion that was ravaged by injuries uh, last year. So who knows how that division is going to going to turn out? I mean, maybe they just beat the hell out of each other and cancel themselves out. Or, you know, they become a strong division and or stay the strong. You know, I, well, currently I think they have the best division of football right now. The AFC North, on the other hand, sent three teams to the playoffs last year. And, yeah. you know, the Bengals with Joe Burrow, you know, were kind of kind of peaking at the time that he got hurt. But, you know, early on, you know, like week 10, week 11, they were really kind of hitting their stride offensively. And then he goes down. Uh, it's 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 interesting to see. It's it's not an easy schedule. There are some some patches here and there, but for the most part, you know, neither team—the Bears, the Packers, the Vikings, the Lions—don't really get much of a break this year because we have two of the tougher divisions in football uh, on our schedule. So 
uh, you know, after after the first five weeks, you're, you're at Chicago, home for Washington, who, out of all the teams in the playoffs, no disrespect to Green Bay, gave Tampa the toughest game in the playoffs uh, yeah. last year, which was very surprising. I mean, I don't know if that was a home field advantage uh, type of thing, but it was uh, – you know, the, they did not go quietly for being a team that had a losing record going into the into the playoffs and everything. And I, I will say on Washington, I do think their defense is legit. Yeah, that, for that sure. Is a, that yeah. is a really, really good defense that they've built there. So if uh, you know, adding adding Curtis Samuel to Terry McLaurin and getting Brian Fitzpatrick in there, I think that was um, those were some good good moves that they made to shore up that offense a little bit to to. You know, put just enough points on the board to um, to help support that defense. So yeah. that's 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 not a, a gimme at any point either. Right, and uh, you know, then then at Arizona, Kyler Murray and and you know the talents that they have out there. You know, they got AJ Green. They add that to DeAndre Hopkins and uh, and Christian Kirk out there. It's uh, that's going to be interesting. Not to mention JJ Watt on one side, Chandler Jones on the other. That's yep. that's going to be a tough day too. Uh, then at Kansas City, oh, excuse me, Arizona, that's the Thursday night game. So after you get done hardly licking your wounds from the Redskins in that game, oh, excuse me, the football team, the <laughs> well, Washington football team, the yeah, or whatever they're going to call themselves. Apparently they're, they have to wait until next year to give themselves a brand new name. So we're still waiting to find out what that is. Quick turnaround Thursday night football at Arizona. So not only is it a Thursday night game, but you got to go on the road for it. Uh, as well, and then at Kansas City, um, after that, that's going to be a tough, and that's just a regular day game. I was very surprised to see that that didn't end up on national TV. Maybe it'll be one of those late afternoon I, I, national TV type games, but and I think that's what happened there. Yeah. I think Fox wanted wanted to claim that one as their you know one of their their games that they absolutely wanted to lock in. So I think that's where that one went. Sure, and then you're you're home for Seattle at Minnesota. Home for the Rams before Week 13, which I I believe is the, the latest that you can have a bye week, which is yep. the inverse of last year where you had the earliest bye in Week Five yep. <laughs> uh, last year. So you're flipping the script uh, uh, this year. But Chicago, Washington, Arizona, Kansas City, Seattle, Minnesota, Los Angeles before the bye. It's like That's I said, a gauntlet. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a that is a gauntlet, and it doesn't get any easier after the bye. You get the Bears. On Sunday night football after the bye, you're at Baltimore, home for the Browns on Christmas Day. That sounds fun. And then, yeah, yeah, uh, Minnesota at home. And then stop me if you've heard this before. (laughs) You're finishing the season against the Lions. In in Detroit now, last year. In Detroit. This is a a shocker. (laughs) I was like, why do they keep doing that? Why? I don't know. You know, it, it drives me nuts. I just, I think this is five out of the last six years. I think at least the have finished with Detroit. At least, man, because we're going yep. back to Minnesota. It, and the other yep. thing is, we're not flipping. You know, like oh, Minnesota will be coming to Chicago or anything. Right. No, no, no. We're going to Always Minnesota. In the dome. Always yep. in the dome. Last game of the yep. season. And and Chris Gates from the Daily Norseman pointed out to me last year that uh, you know maybe the Bears weren't their Week Seventeen matchup last year. But Minnesota was on the road the last two weeks of the season, so we were their last home game last year. So the NFL (laughs) found a way to make that a thing for the Vikings again last year. So we didn't finish out the year out there, but we were their last home game of the season, and now we will be again 
you know, uh, like you said, five times in the last six years or like six out of the last eight at least, something like that. It's ridiculous. Ever since Goodell uh, decided that week 17, now week 18, should be a divisional matchup, these two matchups have been pretty much locked in, uh, you know, pretty much that entire time, which is kind of boring. Yeah, uh, agreed. I I think that's one where... They should have that as part of a three-year rotational schedule. If Agreed. They, you know, yeah. work that into the schedule calculations and and have it start rotating as as to, you know, who's playing where at uh, at which stadiums. Because yeah, I'd love to, you know, even even if we have to play Detroit, like give us a game at Lambeau in Week 17. I think only one of those five or six games in the last eight years have been at Lambeau. So yeah, I feel your pain there. On- yeah. Well, I mean, it's just you know you have these two classic stadiums chicago and you know you got lambo and soldier field um you know you it's that time of year where the elements are a thing you know whether it's the cold or the cold and the snow and all that kind of stuff and then you send both of those teams on the road to dome teams to just kind of cancel all of that out just kind of like take the fun out of football that time of the year so just that's also kind of one of the other things that's frustrating other than the fact that we just keep saying the same teams year in and year out uh, at the end of our uh, schedule. But before we, <laughs> before we got sidetracked with that uh, gripe, you know, Chicago, Baltimore, Cleveland, home from Minnesota at Detroit, you know, again, it's, it's not an easy schedule, not for you, not for us, not for anybody in the division. There, there really are no breaks in the schedule this year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I had looked at it, uh, right after the the schedule came out and Packers play, I think 10 games against teams that were in the playoffs last year. Yeah. Um, I think eight of them won their division and and two wild cards. And um, you know, a couple of the teams that didn't make the playoffs that the Packers play are Arizona who was in the running and is still really good. You mentioned San Francisco um, and then two games against the Vikings. So (laughs) there, there, there literally is no off week this year. Uh, for for Green Bay or or really for for anybody in the NFC North. Yeah, because I'm I'm looking at the Bears schedule now. We got the Rams. That's one playoff team. Cleveland. That's two. Green Bay three. Tampa Bay four. Pittsburgh five. Baltimore six. Arizona six and a half. Green Bay again seven and a half. You know Minnesota, Seattle eight, and you know so that's eight, and that's just us. Yep. And and we also like you said have the 49ers on the schedule and, you know, and things like that. So it's just, you know, even for a team that was eight and eight last year and is looking to try to bounce back and, uh, and whatnot, the schedule just might not allow it this year. Yep. So it's going to be a rough one. Yeah. Yeah. And this extra game, how are you feeling about that? Uh, I, so I, I, I always really loved the elegance and the simplicity of the schedule rotation that the NFL had since going to 32 teams, eight divisions, and the 16-game schedule. It was perfect, right? You had your six divisional games. You had one full division from your conference, one full division from out of conference, and then the other two games rotated between you know, the other divisions with, with the teams that finished in the same spot. It was predictable. It was clean. Um it gave just a little bit of added challenge to division winners, but not so much to um, to really overly penalize them. Um, and I, I loved it. And I just it, it seems it seems unnecessary to me. Um, I'm not 
I, I don't know. I'm I, I just I like the elegance of the patterns, and and so that was nice, uh, nice to have in the past. But um, I I get it. You know, they want to they want to add an extra week onto the regular season, get all that extra TV money from. Um, you know, from having an 18th week of the regular season and instead of a, a fourth week of the preseason. So I, I, I get it. Um, but <laughs> it's just, yeah, I, I'm, I'm just not crazy about it. Yeah. I'm kind of indifferent to it. I, I wasn't excited about it. I, I'm, I'm not, you know, against it, you know, as a football fan, it's, Hey, more football and, uh, yeah. and whatnot, but it just is like overall, like you, uh, I also have OCD, so the patterns and things like that, <laughs> you know, do, uh, you know, do uh, relax me, uh, if you will, being able to figure out who the, you know, knowing right now, it's like, let's see, we played the, uh, you know, we played the NFC West this year, so next year it should be the the East, the NFC East again. Yeah. Uh, that we play or something like that, or it's either yeah. the East or the South, one of the two. Yeah. So, and I mean, it, it, I guess we still get that rotation. Yeah. Adding this extra kind of weird game with an off rotation with, with a, the other conference. It just, I don't know. Yeah. It's, it just kind of muddies it <laughs> up a little bit. And, it's the, yeah. it's the, it's, there's all kinds of rotations going on with that one game. It's, it's, you're yep. rotating between the divisions in the AFC it's whoever finishes in the same place as you, but also what's rotating is the home and away aspect yeah. of it as well. So we're at the AFC West this year, whoever the same place finisher for was, and you guys lucked out. It was Kansas City. Congratulations. Yeah, joy. Yeah, and you're at Kansas City, probably one of the other only other places outside of like Seattle and Lambeau that people fear uh, to go to. So you yeah. get to go to Arrowhead uh, and play the Chiefs. Uh, so that should be fun. And, you know, and so next year we're at home against whatever division, I guess, falls in the I mean, Would it be the AFC East or, you know, whatever? It's just, it's going to, no, actually, we play the AFC the East South. next I year. Think it's the South next yeah, year. So yeah. So maybe it's the yeah. South. But so we're home against the same place finisher against the South and then on the road against the, the I don't know. So, yeah, it, that's, that's the, the kind of thing where they're just uh, being a little too. Uh, fancy with it, uh, I guess. And, um, yeah, so I'm, I, um, I was like, okay, 17th game or whatever, but like you, it's, it's an odd number. It doesn't, you know, sit even and, you know, you can't divide the season up into quarters anymore. Yep. You know, the first four weeks, second four weeks, so on and, uh, and so forth, you got to throw the fifth week in there somewhere to kind of, uh, you know, break it up proper and things like that. So yeah, I'm, uh, I'm not a, I'm not you know 100 on board with it, but we get an extra game, so there you go. Yeah. But um, you know it's it's uh I you know I look at the schedule and we, we you know we we talked about there's there's not a lot of easy games in it. Um, you know it's like I hate to say, but you know you got Cincinnati and and the Bears back to back because of your luck over Chicago, that's probably your softest part of the schedule all year <laughs> yeah. is those two games back to back like that. So, you know, cause Minnesota has always been a tough out in Lambeau. Like, I don't know what it is yeah. about those Packer Viking games in Lambeau field that, you know, you guys barely beat Minnesota or last or like last year, you know, Dalvin cook goes bananas and just runs all over you guys. Uh, it, you know, that's not a gimme game for you guys at all. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's one of the tougher, uh, you know, tougher games in the, in the division, uh, that there is, I mean, it, it's going to be tough for, uh, for, uh, 
Lafleur to keep that very high winning percentage of his intact this year. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I mean, it's just going to make it that much more difficult if uh, if Jordan Love is under center. So <laughs> we'll see. So, well, you know, I just you know, I like I said, I I've, I'm, I'm, I said my piece uh, about that. You know, as as a Bears fan. It'd be great if the, you know Rodgers was gone because that would level the playing field and pretty much open the entire race up to anybody. It's like whoever wants it, go get it. Whether it's Green yep. Bay repeating without Rodgers or everyone else, you know, making a play for it. Hell, it might be enough motivation for the division to get really interesting uh, this year. But it's like I think it would still kind of be bittersweet without Rodgers there to to win the division without him. Uh, there and, and things like that. I think it would be um, obviously it'd be a much bigger accomplishment to win the division if Rodgers was playing. So, you know, I would prefer that he's there, and I'm I'm sure you feel the same way. Uh, yeah, for, for very different reasons. Yes, yeah. you'd like the MVP <laughs> and the best player in football to be quarterbacking your team, uh, as opposed to the quote unquote excitement of the NFC North without uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, um. Yeah, so I mean, I, I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen. Uh, I, I think tomorrow's uh, deadline for the opt out will be much ado about nothing, and then, like you said, it'll all be about you know biting your fingernails to see if he reports uh, on the 27th. I mean, it's not the same thing, but uh, Bear fans are kind of wondering if Eddie Goldman's going to show up uh, to training camp because he skipped the the mandatory workouts and and all that kind of stuff, and he's been dead quiet about his intentions and if he's going to be there or sorry guys relax I was just working out privately or or anything like that he released a video where he is working out and he is wearing bears gear so that's a reason for optimism but until he actually shows up you know he's he hasn't shown any indication that he's coming back other than you know some literally like 12 second video of him uh you know doing uh like um what are they called deadlifts you know, he did a couple of deadlifts wearing a pair of bear shorts and like, OK, so he hasn't thrown the clothes out. You know, he he still, uh, you know, still considers himself a bear, I guess. But until he walks through the the doors of Hallis Hall on the 31st, when the bears report, you know, it's uh, he's not there yet kind of thing. So, I mean, it's not on the same level, but, you know, we have we have a guy that we're worried about as well. So we'll uh, we'll see what uh, what all shakes out. But. When you look at the schedule, did did you play with wins and losses? What were you looking at if you were playing that game this early on in the process? I, again, there's there's just so much unknown that it's it's so tough to tough to try to project. Yeah, um, you know, you'd you'd love to. Well, and again, it, now now that you've got an odd number, it's going to be weird seeing records like <laughs> eleven and six and twelve right. and five or something like that. But yeah, yeah, I mean, you, you figure with this division with this schedule. I mean, there's a good chance that 11 wins wins the division. Sure. Um, yeah. I, I I really believe that with with everything we've talked about. So um, I think that's that's got to be the goal. If you can you know if you can find a way to 12 or 13 wins, that's great. But um, you know we saw so, so much of the NFL and and especially with the the one playoff or one team getting a playoff by now is just you know who's hot at the end of the season and who figures it out late. And obviously Tampa did that last year. Yeah. Um, you know, Packers looked like they were in, in good shape, but, you know, had the Bakhtiari injury really hurt late and and that uh, that kind of threw things all for a loop. So, um, 
yeah, if you can if you can get to get to double digits, give yourself a chance. Um, I think that's the that's the goal. And and I think if if Rodgers is around, I think that's you know the Packers are still probably prohibitive favorites in in the division. And sure. you're looking at maybe like a maybe a twelve and five season, but um, the the drop off to to Jordan Love is surely going to be significant. Um, how significant, you know? We'll we'll just have to see, I guess, if uh, if we if we have to go down that road. Yeah. So I mean, like you said, there's so many unknowns. It's like, what's New Orleans going to be like without uh, Drew Brees? Is is San Francisco going to be able to bounce back from the Super Bowl loser curse that you know really bit them in the ass last year? You know, yep. are, are is everyone right about the Steelers and them not being a contender in the division this year? Ben Roethlisberger stayed one year too long, and you know all that kind of stuff, and you know. What uh, what are the Bengals going to look like in year two, and you know can they figure out the the thing for Burrow and 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 all that kind of stuff? And you know I think the most interesting question out of those first six games, who's the quarterback going to be when you come to Chicago <laughs> to play the Bears? You know it's like yeah. on both sides, quite frankly. I mean, is it going to be Jordan Love versus Andy Dalton or Jordan Love versus Justin Fields or you know or, or what have you? Um, you know it, it's it's been an interesting roller coaster for me. Um, f- as far as Justin Fields goes, because of course, the day he was drafted, it's let's go the Pat Mahomes route. I don't care if we see him play one snap in 2021. Let's protect this, protect this kid, let him learn. Because once the job is his, it's his until the wheels fall off. I mean, that's yep. when you take a guy that you, know, you trade up to get him and all that kind of stuff. That's all it is, you know. So Andy Dalton could make one mistake and boom, he's off the bench. And then Justin Field will make a million mistakes before they replace him. That's just how it's going to uh, work out. You know, I, that was me. That's the camp that I belong to right after we drafted him. Then I started doing these interviews. And literally everyone that I've spoken to about Justin Fields and all that kind of stuff, their excitement to see him play has turned me to the dark side. <laughs> you know, right now I'm like, if, you know, I'll, I'll be the one in that first preseason game against the Dolphins. If Andy Dalton skips ones off the ground, get him out of there. That's it. Get him out to hell with this. Let the kid go out there. Let him learn on the fly. He can learn and play at the same time. You know, I, you know, I've, I've fallen into that uh, category. I want to see him play as soon as possible. You know, if he's the future, let the future be now. Let's go. This is not Mitch Trubisky. We're in much better hands this time around with, with, with Justin Fields, and we have a better team around him than than Trubisky. God bless him. Started with when he joined uh, back in 2017. So, you know, the sooner he can play, the better uh, for me. It's like I, I still have like that little 10 percent sliver. That's like, yeah, let's be patient. Let's, you know, let's let him learn, let him watch. And, you know, Andy Dalton's a competent guy. He's been in the league 10 years. He can help us win some football games and, you know, he can learn and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, but most of me after, after talking to everybody is like, nah, screw it. I'm with you guys. Throw him out there. Let's see the kid play. He looks good in that uniform, man. Let's see him play in it. You know, I, I can't wait. So, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about it. So. Yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I mean, living in Columbus, I'm I'm no no Ohio State fan, but uh, I do I do watch a lot of Ohio State games. Um, my girlfriend is an OSU grad, so I've gotten to see him quite a bit. And mm-hmm. man, when he is on, yeah, he is he is impressive. <laughs> the the Clemson game, I I, I just that that was that was one of the best pieces of quarterbacking I've seen from a college quarterback in a long time. Yeah, he was a warrior so, in that game, man. 
Yeah. Even after think, he took uh, that shot and he had, you know, the rib well, especially, thing. Especially especially yeah. after he took the shot, right? I mean, he was still delivering the deep balls uh, on the money that whole game. Yeah. And frankly, you know, Packers fans were getting real excited about that game, about the possibility of Chris Olave being in, in green and gold next year. And then he comes back for his uh, senior, for his senior year next yeah. year, um, which, which had a little bit, uh, had all of us bummed out a little bit. So, sure. um, yeah, who knows? Maybe, maybe he'll be a, a Packers first rounder in 22. We'll see. Maybe he'll break the streak at, at 20 years. I think there you go. Well, man, you know, I, I look forward, uh, to the season. Uh, we won't get a chance to talk to you until October, which is earlier than last year. Cause yep. we didn't play you guys till week 12, uh, yeah, last weekend, season. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, we'll at least be able to get to see you early on, uh, in the season to preview that first matchup, which will be in, uh, Chicago. Um, I know you're not a bears fan, but do you have any opinion on the bears in Chicago or Arlington Heights? You want to weigh in on that at all? I, I don't have enough of an opinion. Um, okay, I'm actually I'm actually planning on trying to get to Soldier Field for the first time uh, this this fall, but not for the not for the Packers Bears game. Actually, for the Wisconsin Notre Dame game. Okay, um, that's is my goal. But um, no, I mean, so many teams have moved outside of the the, the so called city limits right. that. Um, I, I would be more upset from from a Bears fan perspective of leaving a historic stadium like Soldier Field than necessarily the um, you know the city limits aspect of it. So um, as as a fan of a team who um, also plays in a legendary historic stadium, that would be what I would be more disappointed by. Right, and you know the thing about Soldier Field is that before they renovated it in 2002, it was already a landmark. It was a national yep. landmark, so they basically couldn't touch the stadium. Like they tore the guts out of it and then built the spaceship on top of it yep. uh, kind of thing. And in, in the end result was we lost about 6,000 seats uh, to the brand new setup. Cause we had about 67,000 before we're down to 61 five, which gives us the prestige of being the lowest capacity stadium in the entire NFL. You know, the only team that was that ever beat us was, the temporary LA Chargers playing in a 30,000 seat soccer stadium uh, before they moved into SoFi, which has significantly more than 61,000 seats in it. Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, I, it would suck for the Bears not to be in Chicago. It would suck, like you said, even more for them not to be in Soldier Field. But, you know, the fan base deserves a bigger, bigger facility. You know, we're one of the most loyal fan bases out there we should have a facility that can offer more of us a chance to go uh to the game the bears a charter franchise deserve a state-of-the-art uh facility as well and if it's if arlington heights is where we have to go to get it then you know it, it sucks but you know it, it it also doesn't at the same time so uh i'm, I'm torn on it I, I would lean more towards the arlington heights stadium just because of what it means uh yep. in general um, and the sting of them not playing in Chicago or not playing at Soldier Field, you'll get over it eventually. You know, it won't right. matter after after a <laughs> while. So, you know, it's like Ditka came out and had made his uh, said his two two cents, and they're a Chicago institution. They belong in Chicago, and that's the end of it. I wish that was true. Uh, I do, but uh, you know, as long as the uh, the park district won't let us touch the columns on the outside, and we still have to build within the confines. The Bears are never going to have the stadium that they want to have uh, in Chicago. It's just not possible. So going to Arlington Heights is probably their best option to have their cake and eat it too 
as far as the stadium goes. So makes sense. Yeah. So anyway, Evan, it's been a blast as always, man. Uh, we look forward to having you on for the first matchup in uh, October, and then we'll see you again in December for your post bye week Sunday night, your annual Sunday night football visit <laughs> from the Bears. That's right. uh, because we can't play during the day in, in Lambeau. It's just not legal. Uh, I think it's, uh, I guess that's uh, something written into the mandates of the schedule. When the Bears come to Lambeau, it's got to be on national TV under the lights. So, uh, you know, we'll be doing that for the 28th season in a row. <laughs> yeah, well, I will look forward to it. Um, certainly we'll be hoping that the Packers are sitting somewhere around like four and one or so when we, uh, we come into that game, but we shall see. We'll have yeah, go ahead a lot, and, of, and, you know, lot of interesting things to, to happen between now and yeah. then for sure. Go ahead and, you know, rattle off the first five so you can, you can afford to lose one or, <laughs> you know, bears can help you out with that one and, you know, see how that, uh, see how that goes. So, there you go. but, uh, you know, so where can we, uh, where can we keep up with you in the meantime, Evan? Yeah, you can always find uh, me at Tex Western on Twitter. Uh, you can catch the blog. It's acmepackingcompany.com, uh, at acmepackingco on all of our social media, Twitter, Instagram, all that kind of stuff. Um, by the time you hear this, we'll probably be into our uh, roster training camp preview. So um, if you need a, a close look at the, the Packers roster heading into camp, um, make sure to check it out. All right. As always, Evan, say uh... – Say what you got to say and then get off my show. <laughs> Thanks a lot, man. Go Petco. So there you have it, guys. 14 opponent preview episodes one for each of the teams that we are playing in 2021 and that's of course in the regular season because of course we're gonna go all the way right guys right right guys right i mean you know just guys no well all right well maybe next year right maybe next year okay there you go yeah when 2022 comes around and justin fields is starter from the from the beginning you know but but Andy Dalton you know he might uh you know he might do some things just... all right I get it I just anyway you know all right enough anyway it's just sorry guys it's just me playing with the pads it's it's late at night and I'm bored and uh so I, I'm just uh you know I was going to say I was playing with myself, but I wasn't doing that. I swear to God. Anyway, um, <laughs> I want to thank Evan Western for coming on the show and uh, helping us uh, preview the Green Bay Packers so we're able to close the book on all of our opponents now. We move on to the 15th and final uh, episode of the series, and uh, we'll be talking with our good friend Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears to preview our beloved Chicago Bears. And guys, I've already recorded that episode. Uh, get comfortable, uh, you know, get some, uh, get a drink, have some chips, maybe some popcorn, maybe even a sandwich, you know, you never know. Because uh, Lauren and I were able to, to, to squeeze it down to about two hours uh, talking about the, uh, the Bears and the possibilities. And, you know, we start with the press conference from, from January and work our way all the way through uh, the, uh, the disaster that was the offseason season right up until draft night because we haven't talked to Lauren since before draft night. And um, 
everything that's that's gone through since then the concerns that we do have um the low-key good moves that um ryan pace has made besides his uh masterful trading on uh on draft weekend where you know going into draft night of course we all uh thought that ryan pace was the worst general manager in the history of football but uh after draft weekend we're like yeah he, he might be all right at this you know he's uh, so uh, he was he made very smart trades. He didn't mortgage the future to go out and get to both of our guys and Tevin Jenkins and uh, and Justin Fields. And, uh, you know, we're just, you know, we're excited about this season. You guys have heard me say it pretty much in every episode that we've done uh, so far that, uh, you know, there were the, the outlook to 2021 was bleak at best, you know, because it was going to be a lame duck year for Nagy, a lame duck year for Pace. Uh, you know, the embarrassment of the quarterback situation all throughout the, the offseason and then a culminating in the signing of Andy Dalton. No calories, no salary cap space, so we couldn't sign anybody else. Talking about trading uh, away Akeem Hicks, had to let go of Kyle Fuller and all the rest of that stuff. It was just bad, 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 bad across the board until we get to draft night. And then all of a sudden we make these trades. We didn't mortgage our future to do it. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, the future looks brighter, regardless of who's going to be leading us to it in the general manager and coaching uh, area. We got Justin Fields. We got Tevin Jenkins. They'll be here after those guys are gone. And uh, I can't wait to see uh, what they'll be able to do uh, for us. So Lauren and I talk about that. And actually, guys, I was able to to make the uh, AFC and NFC uh, preview episodes happen. So next Monday and next Thursday, we'll have two more episodes, one for the AFC, one for the NFC. And our good friend Ross Jackson from Locked On Saints, who also does Locked On NFL uh, for the Locked On Podcast Network. We'll be back for both shows. We'll be previewing both conferences uh, to basically lead you right up to training camp because I think uh, Thursday, next Thursday will be, what, the 20, the 30th? I think so. And I think the Bears report on, no, 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 it'll be the 29th. Next Thursday will be the 29th. That will be the NFC show. Uh, next Monday, the 26th will be the AFC and, um, you know, that'll take us to training camp and then you'll have uh, a little bit of break about a couple weeks, two weeks, and then I'll be back to review, uh, bears dolphins, uh, for the first preview or first preseason game, uh, of the season. You know, I would, uh, I'm really, really looking forward, uh, to that. So I don't know if I'm going to do anything in the interim. I have an idea, but I got to see if I can get my guest. Uh, to come back on the show to talk about it. And uh, otherwise, uh, yeah. So come on back Thursday for myself and Lauren. We'll be previewing the Bears. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground.